Are you primed and ready? Are you excited about what the Lord has to say? Are your cell phones turned off? <laughs> Nobody said anything. People must be reaching in their purses and their wallets to get, turn their cell phones off. You are welcome. So this morning, we are going to talk about something that I know a little bit about and something that we all are going to learn more about, and it's about praise and worship. So praise and worship, <clears throat> that's one of those phrases that we just throw together, praise and worship, like peanut butter and jelly, macaroni and cheese. We just say praise and worship. But do we really understand what they are separately and how they operate together? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, I did this class years ago um, on, a, on a Wednesday night, I believe. And uh, pastor's been mentioning over the years that I need to do it again. And so this was the perfect opportunity because this is something that we should be doing daily and not just on Sunday. So I'm going to start with, and, and you guys have uh, some scriptures. I've got some other scriptures here. You can write these down if you choose to. These are just going to be supporting scriptures uh, for the points that I'm going to make. So I want to open with Psalm 150. And you don't have to go to it, but this is what it says. Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord. Okay? So we've heard that. We're all familiar with that scripture, right? We've heard that scripture a lot of times. But the most important part of that is that last part. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Okay? Now, you don't have to get too hung up on these words, but I put these up to illustrate the types of praise that there are. Okay? And there are other ones, and I'll explain to you what these are. So these are... Uh, Hebrew words for different types of praise. So the first one is yada, okay? And it means to worship with extended hands, okay? So when you see people with their hands out or with their hands up, that is yada, okay? There's a scripture that supports that. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. That's Psalm 134 and 2, okay? You don't have to write that down. You can just Google, you know, yada in the Bible, all these scriptures will pop up, okay? So that means to lift up and to worship with extended hands. Barak is used to denote blessing, okay? It is used to acknowledge, okay, blessing. It is used to acknowledge the blessing that we, not that God can necessarily give to us all the time, but that we can give to him, okay? Because we have the ability and the capacity, okay, and the responsibility to bless God just as he blesses us. Okay, so one scripture for that would be Job 1 and 21, and it says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, and he says, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Okay, so in everything that Job was going through, he still knew that there was a responsibility, right, to praise and to bless the Lord. Okay, so that's found in Job. Tehillah means to sing or to loud, L-A-U-D, to loud, to lift up, okay? 
That's what that means, to sing or to loud. Psalm 22 and 3, it says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. So that scripture talks about an entire nation of people singing out and lifting up the name of Jesus. They're louding him. Okay? They knew who he was for them. He knew, they knew and understood what he could and would do for them. And because of that, they sang praises to him. They lifted him up as a nation. Okay? That is Tehillah, Zamar. It means to pluck the strings of an instrument, okay, or any type of instrument. The reason why it says pluck, the, the most common instrument back then was the lyre, L-I-Y-R-E. -Y it's a stringed instrument. And, of course, there was the harp. But then we also had the cymbals and all of the other things that were mentioned up here in Psalm, uh, in Psalm 50 with the pipe and horns. They had all of these things, okay? So there is a type of praise that is specific to musicians, Okay, so that's that is Zamar, Ephesians 5 and 19. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Okay, that's Ephesians 5 and 19. So it says sing and make music. So it doesn't just say sing. Okay, it says and make music. So it covers the entire spectrum. Toda means to confess or to praise. It's a thank you offering is what, is what toda is. Um, it's a sacrifice of praise. So when we are singing, like we were just doing a few minutes ago, we're praising him. We are offering a sacrifice of praise, okay? Praising him is not always easy on some days as it is as others, okay? We understand that. You know, you might be a little tired, you might be, you know, not, not, not feeling it, whatever. But, okay, physically, your physical limitation should never hinder the spirit because the spirit does not tire. So if you don't feel like you can praise him in the physical, you can always, in this very room, praise him in the spirit, okay? Your spirit can connect with him. Okay, so for Toda, uh, John 1 and 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins from all, and forgive us and give us purity and forgive us and give us all righteousness. So if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful. He will not let us down. He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and he will purify us and he will remove us from unrighteousness. Okay. That alone, okay, should be enough for you to praise him. So after you have confessed your sins, which is something we all should do, then you have the opportunity to offer up a praise, okay, for the remission of your sins, okay? So there is a specific type of praise that is set aside, right, for the remission of sins, which is something that covers each and every one of us, right? Shabbat. It means to shout or to address in a loud tone. That's what Shabbat is. Psalm 145 and 4, it says, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare 
your mighty acts. Now, when, you, when you're declaring something, you don't whisper when you're declaring something. When you're declaring something, you're owning it, okay? You're putting some force behind it. You're saying it aloud. You're saying it proud. That's what Shabak is. It's to shout or to address in a loud tone. Shabak. So, Tuesday night, yes, day after tomorrow, I've got a date with a very lovely young lady. Her name is Janet Jackson. She loves me, she just doesn't know it yet. But my point is this. Let's say there's gonna be 10,000 people there. That's a good number, we'll say 10,000 people. You know a majority of those people are sitting in churches this morning, okay? And they're not clapping, and they're, you know, not singing along. And they're afraid they can't say anything to the person next to them. But they're gonna get to that concert Tuesday night that they paid money to go to, because you can come in here for free. Janet does not know that they're there, or me, unfortunately. And those people, they're going to have their hands up, and they're going to be screaming, and they're going to be shouting and waving, hoping, holding signs, hoping she sees them, and acting a fool for somebody who doesn't even know them and can do nothing for them and doesn't even know that they're in the room. But when we come to church for free and get all of this amazing information that can help our lives, okay, okay, because Janet singing control does nothing for my life. <laughs> we come in here and we get all of this information, we get all of this inspiration, things that can help us in our lives, okay? Everything that is said across this pulpit is ordained, right? No matter who's up here because we've prayed ahead of time, right? Not only for the speaker, but for yourselves, the hearers. So anything that has come across this pulpit is ordained, right, by God. So it is already, before you have sat in this seat, you have an answer waiting for you in this building for whatever you need, whatever you lack, whatever you're looking for, whatever you need to bring into your life, whatever you need to take out of your life. The answer is already here, set in place for each and every one of us. And the only thing he asks us to do is praise him first. So, the highest praise, my favorite one, hallelujah. Hallelujah is the premier word of praise in the Bible. We always say it's the highest praise. Hallelujah is the highest praise. An interesting thing about hallelujah, hallelujah transcends every language. Hallelujah in every language is hallelujah. It cannot be translated, but it can be transliterated. Now, what that means is, if you hear someone say it in a different language, they say it based upon their language, but you still understand that they said hallelujah. Whether it's hallelujah, alleluia, okay, whatever. You can look it up. German, French, Swahili, English, British. Look it up. It is a version of the word hallelujah. That's how powerful 
and how special the word hallelujah is. Hallel, the first part of it means to boast or to brag upon. Okay? Hallel means to boast or to brag upon. And Yah, the J-A-H, is a short form for the name of God. So hallelujah is boasting and bragging upon God. Look at what he's done for me. Look at what he will do for me. Hallelujah is not only a praise, but hallelujah is a testimony. Because I'm bragging not of myself, but what he has done for me, right? What he is working on in my favor right now behind the scenes and what he's doing for me down the road that I don't even see coming. So when we say hallelujah, we are thanking him and we are boasting on him for who he has made us to be. We are boasting and bragging on him for his foresight and his insight. We are boasting and bragging upon him for thinking bigger of us than we could ever think of ourselves. We're boasting and bragging upon him for loving us before we even knew what true love was. That is what hallelujah is, okay? Hallelujah is a spontaneous outcry for one who is excited about God. It's not a word that we just toss around. In fact, in the Old Testament, hallelujah is only used 24 times in the Old Testament, between Psalm 104 and Psalm 150. So it's, re it's reserved for special occasions. It's reserved for times of extreme excitement, extreme exultation. Now, there are other versions or other words that are used for the word hallelujah, but the actual word hallelujah is only used four times in the New Testament, in Revelation 19 and 1. So that tells you, it's kind of like hallelujah would be, uh, everybody has that, that, that grandmother or you might be that person that has the china cabinet in your house and you have all the special dishes in there that cannot go in the dishwasher and nobody better touch them and they're waiting there for some guest that has never shown up. But you've got, but that's what hallelujah is. Hallelujah is reserved. It's that special praise, okay? It is reserved for special occasions. That is what hallelujah is. Now you guys can go ahead and raise the screen. I, um, I want the screen raised because uh, I'm kind of old school and I like for y'all to see a cross in church so y'all keep acting right. <laughs> y'all know y'all go in some of these churches now and I'm like, there ain't no cross? <laughs> Folks is drinking coffee? Eating popcorn? <laughs> so remember where you're at because I'm going to get in your business in a minute. And I want y'all to stay focused on that. <laughs> so the reason why I shared those words, the reason why I shared the words that we just went over, uh, yada, barak, tahila, zamar, todah, shabak, hallelujah. The reason why I went over those words is because praise is so important to God that he has made a provision for everyone in here. Mm -hmm. There is not one of those words that somebody in here is not capable of doing. At least one. At least one. So you can't, you can't say, well, I can't play piano. You can lift your hands. Okay? You can sing, and I'll touch on that in a minute. Okay? You can shout hallelujah. Do it in the middle of the song. It won't hurt my feelings. Okay, so praise 
is so important to God. That connection that we have with him is so important that he has made provision for everyone to have an opportunity to praise him with no excuses. Okay? So one thing we all can do is Tahila. Tahila is, and I'll go back over this, Tahila is to sing or to loud, to lift up. So, so Tahila is to sing, and everybody's like, well, you know, I can't sing. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, <laughs> all ye lands. It didn't say you needed to sound good. It said you needed to make a joyful noise. The scripture also talks about perfected praise. Now, we always compare and contrast those two things, joyful noise and perfected praise. And we have the assumption that joyful noise is for people that can't sing and perfected praise is for people that can sing. Neither one of those scriptures have the word sing in them. It says perfected praise. If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, but you can lift your hands up and God feels your heart, that's perfected praise. Okay? I had my eyes closed, but I, I, I heard some rejoicing over here in this section over here this morning. Okay? I don't know if these people over here can sing or not. But they got their blessing this morning. Because they praised God without caring who was around, who was listening, and what was happening. The entire country, the, uh, the entire people of Israel sang and lifted their voices to God. You think all of them sounded like Mariah Carey? <laughs> Not everybody can sing. He didn't say anything about you sounding good. He wants you to lift your voice and sing to him. That's why we have the words on the screen when we sing, because we want you to join in with us. Okay? This isn't a performance up here. We're not a choir. I don't allow anyone to call us a choir. We are the praise leaders. We are the praise team. We are leading you all, right, in praise. This is your opportunity, okay, to praise him. Now, I'm about to get in your business. Focus on that cross now. When you come to church and you are not here in time for the praise service, you have missed an opportunity that you will never get back. Okay? Because God wants us to praise him every day, right? If you don't, and I know people aren't running around their house having praise him as much as, I, as they like to have people think that they are. When you come in and you've missed the praise part, that's your offering to God. That is what God has asked and instructed us to do. For most people, the only time that they praise God is when they come to church. For some of you who are coming in, bless you, who are coming in at the end of praise service, you've missed your opportunity to give to him what we can give. Okay? which is so small in comparison for what he's done for you Amen. daily. Amen. Now, I know somebody's sitting here, you got to tell me what time I need to be at church. 
He ain't Pastor Fields. He just wants me to come so I can hear him sing. No. I'm just down here praising God on my own. You better do it with me, okay? I'm leading everyone, but my praise is my own, okay? I can't praise God for you, okay? Because I don't know what you've stepped out of. I don't know what your testimony is. I don't know what he's doing for you, okay? I know it's good. I know it's working for your good, but just as God tailor makes his blessing for each and every one of us, our praise is tailor made for him. No one can praise like I can. No one can, can lift their hands and, and do the dancing like Sister Lynn does over here. No one can, can smile back at me and give me the eye contact like I see some people doing in it. That is your way of praising. We're connecting with each other, right? Communally, right? But our praise is separate. Our praise is our own gift to God. So when you're not here, it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt anybody else that's in here, okay? You're hurting yourself, okay? You're affecting your relationship with God, okay? You are disobeying what he's asked us to do, okay? Malachi 3 and 8. He was talking to the people of Israel. Um, Malachi 3 and 8. He says, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Wherein have I robbed thee? They asked. He said, in your tithes and in your offerings. Offerings is not just money. Your praise is an offering. Okay? So, when you're not here, when you're not praising him, you are robbing God of what he has asked you to do. And then, when we need something, he's going to say, call Janet. <laughs> call your kid's soccer team. Uh-oh. Call your favorite TV show that come, only comes on on Sunday mornings and you don't DVR it so you stay home and watch it. Okay? We are letting down our half of the relationship. Okay? We have a relationship with God. He's going to do his part. You can bank on it. He's going to do his part. Okay? We have to do our part. Okay? Because any relationship... I don't care what it is, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, married couple, boss, employee, Christian, and God. Any relationship is only as strong as the weakest partner that's in it. So we have to remember, praise, okay? He doesn't ask much of us. He really doesn't. That's how important praise is. Now, we're going to move on to worship. Okay, so now we've taken them apart. Okay, now we're going to talk about worship. Okay, Romans 12 and 1, it says, Romans 12 and 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, 
offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Some of the versions might say service. And I'm going to read this again because there's a lot of stuff in there. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, okay, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what this is telling us is, okay, in view of, okay, in recognition of the mercy that God gives us daily, thank you, Jesus, thank you, God, daily, we are to live our lives in a way that is holy and pleasing to God. It says this is our true and proper worship. Now, we believe that God's mercy is renewed for us every day, correct? If his mercy is renewed for us every day, okay, right? And it says we are supposed to do this in recognition of his mercy, which is renewed every day. That means that we are to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God every day. So worship is a lifestyle. Okay? So if anybody ever asks you, what is worship? Worship is how I live my life. It's what I do every day. That's what worship is. It's your lifestyle. How do we worship? Somebody may go like, what all goes into this? What all goes into how we worship? This is how you learn how to worship. You know what Bible stands for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. This is how you learn how to worship. The praise part should be easy. I mean, everybody's thought of something God can do to him and for him has done for him just this week. If nothing else, you woke up this morning. You had the activity of your limbs. You could see the sun shining and the birds chirping. You got in your cars and you drove to this place. That should be enough to keep you praising him for quite a while. So the praising part should be pretty easy because God's been better to us than we could ever imagine, okay? Worship is a lifestyle. And that's one of the bad things about Christians. We don't treat our relationship with God as a lifestyle, okay? That's one thing that a lot of religions, Hindus, Buddhists, it's a lifestyle for them. From the time they get up to the time they go to bed, it's a lifestyle. Christians, it's something we do on Sunday for a couple hours and maybe Bible study. Okay, that's why our relationship with God is so weak, because we don't worship him as we should. Okay, so first we must study. Right. That's how we learn. Second Timothy three. 14 and 15 is what it says. Second Timothy three, 14 and 15. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it, which would be a pastor or a teacher or a preacher. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Okay, that could be when it says infancy, it can mean when you were a babe in Christ and you started to learn the Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So what Timothy is, 2 Timothy is telling us there is, it says continue in what you have learned. You can't learn something unless you've studied it, right? So it is instructing us to study, to absorb, right, to learn. And then it says, 
to continue in it. That's lifestyle. Okay? You don't just read this scripture and you close the Bible and then go back to doing what you're doing. Okay? There's a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Okay? When you study the Bible, you learn and you see what am I doing right? What am I not doing right? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to do? And then once you've learned that, you make a life change, you make a pivot, and you stay in that direction. It's a lifestyle change. It's not something we just do. Okay? How do we worship? The Bible will teach us a number of things, but one way with how we worship is how we treat other people. That's how you worship. Because remember, worship is lifestyle, okay? So praise, that's your thing. That's your personal thing, right? But your lifestyle is how do you treat yourself? How do you take care of yourself? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your kids? How do you treat your coworkers? How do you treat your family members, friends? That's worship. That's what worship is, okay? So Matthew 22 and 35 says, and this is how we treat others. Matthew 22 and 35, it says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, you know, some smart aleck trying to trip Jesus up. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's your worship, church. How you love God and how you treat other people. That's your worship. And then he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we muddy the Bible up. You know, we try to, you know, make it so complicated. God's like, okay, I gave y'all 10 commandments and y'all couldn't do those right. So let me just give you two. <laughs> love me and love other people. That should cover the whole 10 commandments. Okay? You're not going to kill. You're not going to steal. You're not going to covet. You're not going to run off at the mouth. You're not going to have false gods. You're going to keep God first and foremost. He says, love him with all that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you worship people. And you're around people every day, right? So that's how you worship every day. Worship's hard. I understand. I get it. Trust me. But it's what it says. We worship God. Another way is by what we say. Thank you. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Ephesians 4 and 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let's read that again. Do not let any unwholesome talk trash come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs. Well, how do I know what their needs are? The Holy Spirit will let you know that. First thing, the Holy Spirit is going to let you know if that's the person you should be talking to. Then the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say to that person. Okay? That comes from that worship, that communion with God. And it's said that it may benefit those who listen. Okay? If you're not saying anything beneficial, pastor said, well, I won't say pastor. My father said to me something that I'll never forget. He said, one thing you can always say is nothing. And we've all heard this. If you can't say something nice, that's how we worship. The source of a word determines its weight. What does that mean? That means Joe or Sue over here can say something, good or bad, whatever. But when somebody knows you're a Christian, what you say holds a lot more weight than what just somebody else is saying walking down the street. The source of a word determines its weight. And as Christians, we are held responsible for what we say, what we don't say, what we do, what we don't do. Sins of omission, okay, those are things that we are not doing. Sins of commission, things that we are doing that we should not be doing. We're held responsible. As I wrap this up, we worship by our praise, okay? This is how we're going to, we took them apart, now we're putting them back together, okay? We worship by our praise. We are instructed to praise God, right? So praise is a part of our worship, okay? It's a part of our lifestyle. Praise is, or should be, a part of our lifestyle. So to simplify it, When we praise, we are lifting up, right? We're lifting up. When we worship, we're bowing down because we're in service to other people. We're in service to ourselves. We are studying the word. We are are bringing in the spirit of humility, of of waiting for God to speak to us. What does he have to say for me? What is he going to do for me? What do I need to say to these people, to this situation? So praise is lifting up. Worship is bowing down and going to work. I am your praise leader. I'm not your primary worship leader. Your primary worship leader is pastor because he's talking to you about your lifestyle, how you live your life, how you strengthen your relationship with God. What do you need to do to have a better life for yourself, for your families, on your job? And ultimately, how do we obtain eternal life? Okay? Our praise and our worship will determine Okay, the success on this on this planet Mm -hmm. and how we live the rest of our lives. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you.